believe aliens exist. Count me among that 90 million. Some 66 million of us think aliens landed at Roswell in 1948. On that issue, I'm undecided. But these are some of the things you learn. Now, this is an old poll. I'm sure the numbers have changed a little bit in, say, six years, but... There are now people... This is a cool subject. Let's break this down a little bit. So, uh, JFK was killed by conspiracy. 51% of Americans believe that statement. Now, which exact conspiracy? I'm sure there's plenty of disagreement. But JFK was killed by conspiracy. 51% of the American public. So that's about 160 million people. Maybe 161 at this point. Bush intentionally misled... On Iraq WMDs, 44% of the nation believe that. It's about 138 million people. Global warming is a hoax. 37% of the American people believe that. Nine inches of snow in Colorado today. Memorial Day weekend, the beginning of summer. They've changed skiing. The, they've changed the climate change anyhow. Oh, Just well, like they right. changed Iran to Iran. <laughs> <laughs> I still love that you did that that one night. Aliens exist, about 91 million people. That's 29% of the population. I want, I want to get into that at some point. At you some finish, point. You just, I'm just going to keep going through these because these are fun. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not talking about these with any condescension, condescension or disdain or anything like that. No, this is no, just, just interesting stuff to me. The New World Order, the existence of the New World Order, 28% of the population, about 87 million folks. What in the hell? Hulk Hogan was in the NWO, You can he? call this the New World Order, brother. Yeah, it, yeah. it definitely exists. And I then saw they had the NWO Wolfpack. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's true. You can just kick that one out. Hussein, I assume they mean Saddam Hussein. Hussein was involved in 9-11. Wow, 28% of the people believe that. Maybe that goes to the whole Bush misled on Iraq thing. Um, a UFO crashed at Roswell. 65, no, just shy, 66 million people, 21% of the population. Vaccines are linked to autism. 20% of the population believes that. About 62 million, just shy of 63 million. The government controls minds with TV. 15% of the population. 
We all know they do it with our smartphones. Well, and and that gets into what do you mean by controls your mind? They definitely they, influence They, they alter. Yes, th- th- that's a better word. They influence you greatly with what they put on TV. Another 15% of the population believes med- the medical industry invents diseases so they can provide the care. I'm 100% with that. The CIA developed crack. 14% of Americans believe that, about 44 million. Mm. Another 14% believe Bigfoot exists. Old Sasquatch. Just shy again of 44 million. Obama is the Antichrist. No. 13% believe that back in 2013. That's that's 13% of the population is racist. Keep going. <laughs> <You said laughs> I'm just saying. Look, I'm, I'll give you my opinion. The on government it. allowed 9-11. 11% believe that. Uh, that's far too low. Fluoride is dangerous. 9% believe that. That's but 9% seems like a low number. That's far that's too still low. 28 million people. The moon landing was faked. 7% believe that. Way too low. Bin Laden is alive. This is after Obama walked out and said we killed him. 6% believe that. Gosh, people are getting dumber and dumber. Airplane contrails are sinister chemicals. Chemtrails, not just contrails. 5% of the population believe that in 2013. You're getting stupider and stupider. Paul McCartney, I'm assuming by McCartney they mean Paul McCartney, died in 1966. 5% of the population believes that. And at rounding out this series of things Americans believe, 4%, which is 12,556,562 people. 556,562 people. Yeah, essentially 12.5 million people believe lizard people control politics. Now, that's where I say that's about right. Because, I mean, you're kind of crazy if you think lizard people control politics. Really? That, that's that's where I break. I mean, I was. I mean, have you seen Nancy you? Pelosi? I was in. I was in the minority all the way until you got. Why the do you think people. they disdain the establishment and the deep state doesn't like Trump because he's a warm-blooded mammal? That's not it. But I do have an interesting take on aliens. Okay, let's get. To I, I really do. Sure, aliens. I think what we perceive as aliens. Mm-hmm. I I always go back to the scriptures, and there was a time, and it said that the sons of God came down, saw the women of of man, and made children, and they were the Nephilim. Okay, and they were the 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 giants, the kings of old. I mean, you've got these great creatures, even in. Hebrew and Christian scripture. Okay. I mean, you've, you've got stories of these giants. I mean, look at David versus Goliath. How sure. Goliath was nine foot, six inches tall, had six hand, six fingers mm-hmm. on each hand and six toes, mm-hmm. and had five brothers. That's why David got five stones. And apparently, he didn't wear a helmet. He was ready to get... All of them. Well, I don't know. David may have just been real good with a sling and a stone. 
but they came down and they made these these beings and that was the purpose of the flood the flood was not to just kill it was to get rid of the nephilim it, it wasn't to get rid of all evil because I mean, if God wanted to do that, and, and I don't want to get too bogged down into it, mm-hmm. but but it was basically to kill the people that were because it says that Noah was perfect mm-hmm. in his generation. wasn't talking about he was perfect as if as a sinner. He was un, had never sinned because we've all sinned, fallen sure. short of the fallen. I mean, we, we know. But all he that. did his best to wrestle with his own fallen nature. And that's he, uh, not yeah. what he's talking about. He was perfect genetically. Oh. He his core and his body had not been infiltrated by the, the sons of God. Mm-hmm. And we relate that to being aliens, which they're not aliens. They're angelic beings that came down. An angelic being came down today. You might suspect it's an alien. Here's the thing that people miss. Mm. The flood comes, it wipes everything off, and they start over again. But if you read Genesis... Oh, I didn't mean to hit that. If you read Genesis... It, <laughs> I mean, it talks about that in the days of Noah, and it it, it mm-hmm. relates a story, and then it backs it up with, and then again. You know, the Bible's weird about giving you, like, little tiny bits and pieces. It says, and then again, the Nephilim were on the face of the earth. Well, they were all so you're making, they were all wiped off at the time. And look, I'm just giving you my theory. Sure. It doesn't mean it's right. I'm just telling. You. What's the bottom line, though? So, at the time of Noah, they were all wiped off the face of the earth. Every one of them. There were eight that came off the ark. They started repopulating, and then again, there was another infiltration of the sons of God. That and and sons of God means angels, right? Is what they are. Mm-hmm. They're the fallen angels. Christ talks about that. We don't see that until Matthew and Mark and Luke in the Gospels that the uh, you know a third of the angels fell. Is when we learn about that through Scripture. And when they came down, that was then again. That's why Goliath was in Palestine. When David went and fought him, hmm. because it was then again, what did the children of Israel say when they went in the promised yeah, land? You've been thinking they about said, this a while. Oh, it, it, it's but it's so clear once it hits. It's one of those things. Once you understand it, it's like it makes perfect sense. When they went in, what did the twelve spies say when they went into Israel, coming straight out of Egypt? We can't take them because we are like crickets in their eyes. They are hmm. huge. These were superhuman beings. Hmm. Human beings. I, I don't. I don't talk real good sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but that's that's what they were. And and God was like, but I told you I was giving you the power to take them, so you go. And so for forty years, you wander around in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. You have to. You have to. 
I know I'm being long-winded, but you have to go through the whole story. So you wander around the wilderness all these years, and you go in, and then that's when the, the uh, uh, Joshua and Caleb got to go in because they said, yeah, these cats are big. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- these dudes are like 10 foot tall, every one of them, and we're little Jews. I mean, we're like five two, five five, right? Six foot tall, at the best. They are so much bigger. But my God has told me I can go in. That's why Joshua and Caleb was spared, and they didn't die in the wilderness over the forty year period of time that they wandered around in the wilderness. They go back in. And they defeated Jericho, and you you get into all those stories, and you get all the way to the point of electing a king, and then God chose a king, and then is David and Goliath, and you've got a little five foot three, what he was described as being ruddy. Yeah. I mean, he was just... I think about you when I think about David. I mean, he's just... I'm not five foot three. Well, I know you're not, but... Six foot. You're you're ruddy. I mean, you're just... I mean, you're tough. You're strong. You think I'm the the runt of the litter? Well, you're tiny. I'm tiny? Compared to a nine foot six dude? Yeah, compared to a nine foot guy. I'm six foot, 180 pounds. I'm pretty average. And he just walks... it's, it's, it's It's my favorite Bible story, too, because he said... When he walks out, David, he walks out and he says, I'm good. <laughs> oh, I love it. Because he's like, I'm fixing to kill you. Mm-hmm. I am going to throw this rock. I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to cut your head off. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, he's pointing like straight up at the air. And Goliath's laughing at him. And he says, I will do it because God is on my side. Mm-hmm. He's not on your side. He throws the stone, kills him, walks up to him, pulls his head up. It's like Game of Thrones stuff. Pulls his head up by the hair, cuts his head off, and holds his head up and says, I did not do this. God gave me the power to do it. It's my favorite Bible story well, I can tell. of all time. I can tell, but here's, here's the thing. You think that these other superhuman, whatever word you want to use, beings weren't terrestrial in nature they were could be considered aliens like i've also put myself in the category that i think aliens exist uh, because i've ever had an encounter with aliens i just look at the vastness of the universe or just let alone our own galaxy and the more we discover about it i think there was just a discovery i read you know not too long ago about two weeks ago that they're they've actually found earth-like planets they exist in the so-called Goldilocks zones. They're finding more and more by the day. They haven't proven life, necessarily, but I, I just look at the vastness of the universe, let alone how big our galaxy is, and think, uh, that's, uh, it's likely, it's plausible that aliens exist. And then you get into weird things in history, sure. Uh, I think there's so little known about human history, and we're discovering new things every day, that uh, there's possibilities, but you know, it could be that the terrestrial in nature... That's interesting. I do, and, and, and that's, I'm just playing the odds. I'm not citing scripture or anything. 
No, uh, David it, and Goliath is a crazy cool story. Yeah, and, and I don't want to make this a, 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 a Bible lesson, but I think that's where you can, you know, the, the way you describe things can be different. If you say, are there aliens? Mm-hmm. Or are there angelic beings out there? I believe in the angelic beings part because it was, and then thereafter, they came back again, and there are still part of those thirds. They're not all bound right now. There's some of them out there, and we would assume those are aliens. Right. Is is what they are. So, well, whether and, and, and they have, I mean, they they have. What we would consider supernatural powers, right? In my uh, all this is Clay's opinion now. I mean, it, I'm not. Well, I hope it's yours. I hope you you're not giving somebody else's. No, I'm. I'm just saying this isn't the, the radio stations or Joey's or anybody else's. This is my opinion. There are things out there that have supernatural ability, but I don't think that you know it's something that's. It come from somewhere else is coming to invade our world that hadn't been here before. How in the world did Stonehenge get here? Right. How did the pyramids get built? Or Glebecky Tepe. How, where did... Think about it, Joey. Think about the uh, the Greeks and the Romans. Where did they get their gods from? Hmm. I mean, how hmm. do you... You don't invent that. And, I mean, you look at uh, I think it's possible we invented that. I, 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 it's like, because I really the Greek, don't. the Greek gods in particular seem all too human, just on like a, a different level. What is but Atlas? Squabbles. They're, they're what? What is Atlas? He he's he's the god that holds the earth up. Mm-hmm. You know what is he? He's a huge. Or Phobos ran the battlefield. That and, fear, the god of fear, would take over. You know, mass groups of men. And you go through every one of them. I mean, Mercury. I mean, look at him. What did he do? And and you go through all those, and what they were, they were, my belief, they were like these supernatural beings that were living on the earth during the time of the flood mm. that was the purpose of the flood to destroy all them and everything they had infected i think the, it, it's possible but i think it's also possible they could have been like a personification of of great forces and this is before you get monotheism before you get things like judaism and christianity and islam they're especially that part of the world. Think about like ancient Persia. I heard a great story. I mentioned last night. I've been listening to hardcore history, where uh, Xerxes is trying to cross the what is it, the Dardanelles, um, the the one little sliver of water that you know connects Europe and Asia. I think it's near modern day Turkey right now, and uh, and they're trying to figure out a way to okay, how do we move a thousands of men in our army into you know the mainland Europe and take on the Greeks mm-hmm. and they initially try to build some bridge and even though it's a small sliver of water it is the currents ridiculous the storms in that area are ridiculous so this first attempt at building a bridge so they could cross fails and like all sorts of people die and blah 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 so Xerxes the Persian emperor the king of kings he decides to, number one, behead the engineers that failed. But then he also, and there's all sorts of different explanations of why he would, did he really believe this, or was he trying to impress the people who might believe this? He had 
some of his men lash the water and say, bad water, bad water. Do you not know who you have offended? The king of kings, Xerxes, and literally just smacking the water with lashes. So I think there, to my point, is it early, it's called animism. Like early on, if I'm saying that correctly, you would personify the sun. You would personify the weather and the currents and fear and anger and lust and all this stuff and the love itself. And the gods would represent these embody. They would embody these things essentially, and they would have all their fights and worries. But you know, here's my point. I was trying to get to. I was humoring you though, because you seem very passionate about. Thank you for humoring me, because you seem very passionate about. I will run you off the rails, and I apologize for that. But so whether it's you believe aliens exist, whether it's scripturally based, or just look at the odds given how vast the universe is, or whether you think aliens actually landed in Roswell in 1948, or. Maybe you think lizard people run the government, or you think Bigfoot's real, or maybe you just think Republicans are always on the good side, the right side of history and politicians. No, you think the Democrats are the true progressives that are marching us toward the true arc of justice that history shows, or you know, maybe you believe in this or that thing and it puts you in a certain group. There's a reason for that. Well, one thing that's very interesting, actually, is this idea of conformity. And we're going to have to address this after the break. But here's the question. When people talk to one another, what happens? Do they compromise? Do they move towards moderation? But the answer is now clear. Hundreds of studies. And they're starting to put all these studies together. And it's not what intuition would necessarily suggest. Members of groups that talk to one another typically end up becoming more extreme in their positions. No matter what the belief is or what the group is talking. I can see that in general, I can see that's the way it goes. And they end up becoming more extreme based on the tendencies they have before they talk to other people. So maybe you think, yeah, aliens landed in Roswell. Then you talk to other people who disagree with you and who would agree with you, and you become more convinced they definitely landed in Roswell. Yeah. And this happens that. in politics, happens in religion, it happens with all sorts of beliefs. Yeah, and, and that's just human nature mm-hmm. of wanting to be right. And then if somebody kind of halfway proves you wrong, you're like, oh, no, oh, oh, right. not you, no, you but kinda, hell no. double down. I'm really going to prove them that I'm right. And scientists, social scientists have called this phenomenon group polarization. Group polarization is the usual pattern when deliberating groups, people who talk to one another, have been found, and it's been found out in hundreds of studies involving more than a dozen countries, including the United States, France, and Germany. And it helps account for many terrible things, including terrorism and mobbing, riots in all its forms, but it also accounts for good things. People become more convinced of a good idea or ideal that seems impossible, and they move towards it. Uh, but it's Interesting. We'll get into how this actually works a little bit more after the break. So it could be something like lizard people around the government. I mean, again, yeah. just look at Nancy Pelosi. I mean, good Lord, look at Mitch McConnell. That's not. I mean, that, I looks mean, like some, a, that looks like a lizard in a man suit. Sometimes it's hard to deny it, but not. Right. I ain't going that far. But you and I, we don't do that. It, we disagree could be, on most things. It could be but that we don't stuff. get we don't argue. But it could and be like this: get upset at one another, right? But it could be the issues of the day. It could be things like immigration and war, health care and education. 
It's all these issues. Well, then you get into special interest when we'll, you get into... We'll talk about it after the, the break. We'll talk about it after the yeah. break. We'll be right back, folks. Joey Clark. Welcome back. So here's the deal, folks. Mm-hmm. When like-minded people talk with one another, mm-hmm. they usually end up thinking a more extreme version of what they thought before the conversation began. I would agree with that. It should be readily apparent that enclaves of people inclined to rebellion or even violence might move sharply in that direction as a consequence of internal deliberations. Political extremism is often a product of what social scientists call group polarization. In the United States, for instance, group polarization helped both Barack Obama and Donald Trump ascend to the presidency. Speaking mostly with one another, Obama supporters and Trump supporters became intensely committed to their candidate. I think this is actually when you see this clown car, 23 people. By the way, I love that we were finally brought together in politics last week when Bill de Blasio announced his candidacy. (laughs) Everybody panned him. I love that. How myopic do you have to be? How insulated do you have to be in order to not realize that's a bad idea, Bill? But anyway... On Facebook and Twitter, we can see group polarization in action every hour, every minute of every day. As enclaves of like-minded people proliferate online, group polarization becomes inevitable. Sports fans fall prey to group polarization. So do companies deciding whether to launch some new product. It should be easy to see that group polarization is at work on university campuses and in feuds, ethnic and international strife and war. So it could be something stupid and silly like, I'm, you know, listen to Paul Feinbaum and like Auburn, Alabama fans calling up crapping on one another. And they become more, you know, talk to fellow Alabama fans or fellow Auburn fans and they become even more convinced of how bad the other side is or how bad their coach is or whatever the reasoning is. Yeah. It could be something, I think, frivolous like that. It's at the end of the game. Yeah. The end of the day, a game. It's a great game, and it brings us together. Don't get me wrong. But you you do realize that Ty Jerome double dribble, though. Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah, I just but, want to make know, sure you understand that. I, I, <laughs> maybe we're both part of the same group. <laughs> we're too polarized. One of the char- Not that I'm polarized at all. Right. One of the characteristic features of feuds is that members of a group embroiled in a feud tend to talk only to one another, fueling and amplifying their outrage and solidifying their impression of the relevant people and events. This might explain the whole Russia narrative going on. I mean, people on the right and have their version of events that were investigating the investigators and... They spied on the Trump campaign without any, yeah. you know, reason to, other than they didn't like him. They had political reasons. Whereas people on the left are still going on that, oh, now Trump's investigating his political opponents. It's a whole it's like a whole other world, just a channel or two away. And and, and I really I really do think, I mean, that's that's probably 
as of right now, that's the best example of this polarization you're talking about because the more they talk about Russia, 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 yeah. the Trump supporters, I mean, the, I mean, it like solidifies how much you love Trump. Right, exactly. And, or and then the, it solidifies how much you hate him. Too, and on, on the, the other, other side. side, the yeah. exact opposite happens exactly. is, yes, 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 it was Russia, Russia, Russia. And we have gotten to the point, we don't even know what in the living world Russia did. Right. It's just Russia, Russia, Russia. One way or the other. What What did Russia do? Off top of your head. One second. What did Russia do? They went and spent a little bit of money to sow discord amongst the American people and feed them disinformation. There's some astroturfing. They bought a few ads online. They set up a few events. They asked for signs and T-shirts and hats from the Trump campaign. Uh, they, they essentially did some psychological warfare, and they didn't spend hardly any money. It really, I, I find it funny. Because I think the Russians did some stuff, but it doesn't take much to get the American people to hate one another and be polarized. And and you do this for a living. You know that? Yeah. Most folks you, don't. 99% on either side, mm-hmm. I'm talking either side, you say, give me your argument. Why did Russia in, influence the election? Why did they not influence the election? Neither one could answer you. Period. 99% of them. Now, but before we run out of time, I think those things that we've just said, oh. we said before, uh, make a lot of sense. That, you know, when you're surrounded by a bunch of people that essentially agree with you, and you talk to the people that agree with you, you start to agree even more fervently in more extreme versions of events and what you believe. I think they call that an echo chamber. Echo chamber, whatever you want to call it. But this one is one I try to... Uh, I try to consider myself because I agree with some folks. I agree with conservatives a good deal, but not all the time. I, I just don't. And but this is of special importance for understanding extremism, tribalism, whatever you want to call it. In deliberating groups, groups of people that are always talking to one another, those with a minority position often silence themselves or otherwise have disproportionately little weight. The result can be, quote-unquote, hidden profiles, important information that is not shared within the group. Group members often have information but do not discuss it, and the result is to produce bad decisions or even worse. Or it might be to just keep the group together, shut your mouth. I think Justin Amash is seeing that lately. You know, people have all been, I've heard this thing about Justin Amash after he said, I read the Mueller report. Uh, I think William Barr misled people on what Mueller's report says. I think Trump's committed impeachable offenses. Um, I don't necessarily. I think impeachment's slippery because it's not a legal standard; it's a political standard. But I don't agree that William Barr misled. Not by my own assessment. I didn't feel misled. But people were all reacting to Justin Amash at the beginning of this week and over the weekend, saying, "Oh, he's just looking for attention." I, I don't know. My reading of the situation is that you no, know, Justin Amash has always been this way. Then maybe, quite possibly, instead of looking, he just wants attention or blah, 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 blah. Justin Mash actually believes it. What? Is that possible? I think it is. Just knowing who the guy is. I'm not saying he's right. I don't agree with him. But 
You don't have to go to the worst possible motive and smear the guy because he said, like, this one congressman out of all hundreds said something you don't like. And I, th- I think you just made a dynamite point is we, we want to go to the personal is, you know, this guy's an idiot. He's crazy. He's stupid. He's a communist. Well, maybe not. Maybe he really honestly believes in this crap that you are, I mean, I mean, it's completely antithetical to everything you mm-hmm. believe in. Yeah. It, it, but if he believes it's right, it just means you're on two sides of an argument. Right. He just thinks doesn't mean he's a bad guy. Right. But this is the thing with politics. People demand the truth, the truth, the truth. But then it's also like, and be a good member of the team. Like, well, which is it? Which is it? And this is part of polarization. Well, Truth becomes what the group wants and what the group agrees on. And that's when you get into politics, it's always, all, well, I say always. But here's the thing. Groups, I shouldn't make blanket statements, yeah, but it's, it's basically always about being on the right team. Yes, because it's about winning power, not necessarily about discovering what's true. Thank you, Joseph. But here's the deal. Groups tend to dwell on shared information and common themes and neglect information that's held by only a few of their members. And those members usually stay quiet. It should be unnecessary to emphasize that this tendency can lead to big blunders for governments at large, for think tanks on the left and the right. And to understand this particular point, it's helpful to explore three mechanisms that produce group polarization. Information, corroboration, and social comparison. Now, with information, it's a simple point that people usually respond to arguments made by other people and the argument pool. Here's the idea. You, you choose from the argument pool the arguments you like, and you don't look at the arguments that piss you off. And we all do it. Like, and so what happens is you tend to self-select the That's arguments from this vast argument pool. You stay debate. in one part of the argument pool. You don't Very wade into other stuff. topics. Exactly. tactics. So if any group has some initial direction they want to go, some initial idea, the ideas they, the arguments they choose from will inevitably be skewed towards that initial idea. You lead someone in to come into my argument. Right. No, for instance, if there are some people out there, I mean, what, Elon Omar, uh, Rashida Tlaib, think that Israel is the real aggressor in the Middle East. And that conflict, they will tend to hear many arguments to that effect, and relatively few opposing their views. Well, now that they're in Congress, I'm sure they're hearing the opposing. But it's almost inevitable that the group's members will have heard, but not all, some, but not all of the arguments that emerge from the discussion. But here's corroboration, and the intuition on corroboration is simple. People who lack confidence, maybe they don't have enough time to think about a certain idea, a certain policy. But if they lack confidence in whatever it is they tend to think on on their own, by themselves, they're unsure of what they think, though, at the end of the day. They tend to moderate their views. And it's for this reason that cautious people, not knowing what what to do, are likely to choose the midpoint between the relevant extremes. But if other people seem to share your view and corroborate your belief, like, oh, I thought this. I'm kind of unsure. It is what I believe, but I'm unsure in that belief. But then Clay comes along and goes, yeah, Joey, I believe that too. And then Susie and Tom and Bill also believe it. And all these other people believe it. And wait, mm-hmm. millions of us also like Trump? 
it tends to become more powerful. And so that guy who's initially that going, is- yeah, maybe I'll support the guy, hears it from 100, 100 friends, let's say, his belief becomes stronger, even it, though at the end of the day he still might be unsure. And, and that's, that's what's dangerous. Because, I mean, you look at, on the Democratic side, what do we got, like 23, 27 people that are running for the president people, of yeah. the United States mm-hmm. of America. That's what they're doing. They're sitting around just like what you're talking about right now and saying, we need to do this, we need to do this, you know, and, you know, you got your five points. And they're like, yeah, that's perfect, man. You need to run. You can win. This, like, that Buttigieg dude. Buttigieg, yeah. No chance. Ah. Cory Booker, no chance. None. Zero. I'm telling you. Yeah. Hiawatha, zero chance. <laughs> zero. I mean, but I'm, I'm just being, I'm old enough and I'm not smart, but I'm wise. Mm-hmm. They have no chance. It's like Roy Moore. If he wants to run for Senate this next year, and I hope he doesn't, zero chance of winning. Right. Zero. I mean, point zero what to if win. He, what if he does a Mamma Mia, like, acapella one-man show? No, he doesn't like gays. No, no, but he could sing, like, Does Your Mother Know? <laughs> or Take a Chance, Take a Chance, Take a Chance, Take a Chance. Anyway, before we run out of time. But that's what people they they fall into that when they run for office uh, is is that they do they sit in that little echo chamber and what exactly exactly well, what there's you're a, talking there's about there's a third one and I think you'll agree with this as well group polarization happens because of information and you start out with an idea with your group and you only really yeah, seek out we the need information more cops in Montgomery right you only seek out the information that seems to confirm that initial idea there you might run into other information that contradicts that initial idea but you tend to go into the argument or ideas pool you swim towards the stuff that confirms what you thought to begin with. Number two is corroboration. That you might be a little bit unsure, but you believe something. But then you hear that so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so all agree with me. They corroborate what I was thinking. Then, yeah, I guess I'm right because everybody else thinks it. The last one is social comparison. I think this plays big into the shame culture, well, politically correct culture, but not just on the left. It's all over the place, whatever is the correct political position. Uh, it's social comparison. The starting point is that people want to be perceived favorably by other people in their group. And they also want to be see themselves favorably. Their views may, to a greater or lesser extent, be a function of how they want to present themselves. This is the, the key, the pith of virtue signaling. Once people hear what others believe, they adjust their positions in the direction of the dominant position. What did they tell you as a kid? Peer pressure. And they hold on to that presentation of certain correct ideas to preserve themselves and their reputation. They may want to signal that they are politically correct, whatever that means in their group. For example, they might want to show they are not cowardly or cautious, perhaps in an entrepreneurial group, like you go to a business conference, because you know being kind of unsure of yourself isn't good for entrepreneurs. So they'll frame their position so they do not appear cautious hesitant, risk-averse. But it could be all sorts of things. Why do you think the people in Hollywood are just definitively left-wing? It's because they all really believe it. Some of them maybe, 
But a yeah. lot of them, it's just self-preservation. Exactly. It's just like, I want good job opportunities. I don't want to catch a bunch of hell from certain groups of people. So I'm just going to go along. Yeah, because if not, you're an outcast. Well, and and I you, saw, you get nothing. Well, and I saw an interesting note on the issue of, of abortion that it is possible... Now, I, I don't think it's necessarily true of Alabama because Alabamians, when they are given the vote on this issue, have been pretty decided. But it's possible that you hear huge poll numbers being pro-life in Alabama because that's what everybody in Alabama, when you look at the pulpit or the guy in the mayor's office or the guy, the, the lady or the guy in the governor's office, everybody in the legislature, everybody in correct, polite society has that position. It's possible without even knowing it that you just toe the line, even if you maybe have entertained a different idea. It could be on something as passionate and as heated as that issue. It could be on any issue, folks. I'm, and I'm, I see that you're winding up to say something, but I'm, we're out I'm, of time, Southernwood. So you glad. spent so much time on the Nephilim and David and Goliath that we're out of time. I'm so glad we're out of time. I, I, w- I will end my statements with this there's a lot of rich ass Republican white men that have taken their children to get abortions because they didn't want the stigma of having a young unmarried child or un- unmarried girl have a child I'll just end it with that oh my dropping bombs at the end of the show well, that's just a lesson. It's not a bomb. That's the gospel truth. Well, fair enough. That's just a, that's quite a truth. You don't like it until you need it. It's quite a truth. Quite a truth. That's why I said a bomb. But that's a little lesson on group polarization and whatever it is believe. It is you believe. Lizard people or heated political issues or party identity.